2: This is the Busted Open Podcast.
3: You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on
2: Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, Thunder Rosa and I talk all about deathmatch wrestling. That's right, deathmatch wrestling. We may educate you, and for those who are fans... I think you're going to really love this episode. We talked to the king of deathmatch wrestling, GCW champion Nick Gage on the episode. Plus, Damian Abraham and Kevin Gill, the voice of GCW. All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors. No prep, no mess meals. Head to Factormeals.com slash Busted50 and use code Busted50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Busted50 at Factormeals.com slash Busted50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. A man of many talents, Thunder, okay? Now, he may not believe that, but you know what? (laughs) Excuse the excuse the pun, but I believe that's fucked up. And that is (laughs) vocalist and, of course, uh, vocalist for the band, fucked up and podcast host for the turned out a punk podcast. And, of course, we've talked to him a lot about his series that was on Vice, the wrestlers, the one and only Damian Abraham.
4: Damian, how are you? An honor to be back. Thank you for very much for having me. And Thunder Rosa, you were actually one of the first wrestlers I ever interviewed for when I was at Vice.
5: Oh, it was this, uh, in live, was it a live interview that we did? Yeah,
4: no, it wasn't a live interview. It was backstage at the very first, or it was actually at the H- first H2O show. H2O yes. show, yeah.
5: That's six right. Six or seven years ago. I remember That's right. you were covering for that uh, documentary you did
4: yeah it was the first like i tried for years to get vice yeah. to make wrestling content which is hilarious given how much stuff they do about wrestling now but they hated wrestling at the time and so i finally convinced them to let me do it and so you were the very first person i got to interview for that so thank you very much for doing and that I'm and watching welcome. you oh sorry <laughs> I didn't mean me cut you off
5: No, 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 you're welcome. I remember seeing the little clip on on the documentary because I watched the documentary not long ago. And I was like, oh, I'm there. Yeah, that was quite a small world.
4: Yeah, it is a very small world. And watching your ascent as a fan has been incredible. So it's great to reconnect with you. Thank you for having me back, Dave. It's a thrill to be here.
2: Yeah, and and you were talking about the series that you had on Vice, and I believe uh, the series... The Wrestlers is available now on, on Tubi and on Hulu as well and Vice. Um, and I thought it was a groundbreaking series. And you're right. It, you know, It's amazing. At that time, that was the first kind of pro wrestling content. And then now it's kind of known for its pro <laughs> wrestling content, which is crazy. So you are kind of breaking ground there for that time. But that series was incredible. <clears throat> One episode in particular, I go back time and time again and watch. And that is the episode that you had on deathmatch wrestling. When thunder came up with the idea this morning to talk about deathmatch wrestling, I thought you were the perfect person to reach out to because I thought that episode that you did and and to sit down with Onita and talk about deathmatch wrestling. And even here in the States, like what made you want to do that episode and talk about the influence even for you as a punk artist of deathmatch wrestling.
4: Um, you know, I, I I like was a fan of tape trading, and I had friends that were huge tape traders. So I would see a lot of wrestling stuff. And at the time, my exposure to wrestling in Canada was pr- primarily WWF. You know, we had yeah. Raw. We didn't even really get WCW until kind of midway through the mid the you know Monday Night Wars. So I wasn't really exposed to ECW until my friends started showing me these tapes and kind of seeing this level of brutality in wrestling really blurred the line for me like i thought i understood what wrestling was and then seeing deathmatch wrestling it really i didn't know what to make of it at first because it was so violent and the closest thing i could con- compare it to at the time because i was working at a really cool kind of underground video store was performance art tapes like these sort of extreme cinema of transgression these performance art tapes where, where people were literally using their their bodies and I know every wrestler uses their body for their art, but these people were literally shedding blood for their art. And there's, there's a history of that in punk music too. Like Iggy pop used to let it bleed on stage. Um, Dog for the vile tones used to bleed on stage. I used to bleed on stage. Like I would watch these wrestling tapes and I would at the time, at first I would hit myself in the head with the microphone and I would get a little trickle of blood. And I was watching these wrestling tapes with this friend of mine and I was like watching these sheets, you know, like flare with the the crimson mask. And he kind of explained to me a little bit more about how the art worked. And from there, I kind of incorporated that into what we were doing on stage. And it's funny, we played on MTV one time, and I, and I went down and I I got an incredible mask going. And to this day, people still think it was part of the set, falling and hitting me in the head. But no, it was a it was my own doing. Uh, as long as so you get people talking vice. Right? Yeah, when I was trying to get Vice to make wrestling content, I knew that deathmatch wrestling was probably going to be the thing that opened their eyes to making wrestling content because it's so visceral. And we made that Tournament of Death documentary after making a lot of cannabis documentaries. It seems like rough work trying to make a cannabis documentary, I know. But we made a bunch of cannabis documentaries, convinced them to do the deathmatch wrestling documentary, and it did so well. From there, they kind of greenlit the wrestlers' TV series and... I didn't even want to do a deathmatch episode it was actually uh jeff and nathan who were the directors of the series that were obsessed with deathmatch wrestling after watching the tournament of death documentary and were like no no, no we got to do a deathmatch wrestling episode and they're like what would be your dream deathmatch wrestling episode and so i came up with i'm like well Jun Kasai, uh danny havoc uh we got to talk to onita you know i put all like people that i thought would never be in a documentary yeah. together and and just kind of came up with this list terry funk was also on the list but he was having some health problems at the time so couldn't actually be in it uh and we just made it they well I we did they made it happen and here i was as a fan just going along and meeting you know onita meeting jun kasai meeting his family and kind of really putting together a better picture of of what this is this sort of like much maligned like i, I you know thunder rosa you're probably one of the few people that i know that's i've, I've met in televised wrestling that ha, kind of has a respect for it like it's funny chris jericho doing that death match i remember talking to chris about deathmatch wrestling and him being like completely dismissive of it this is years ago but it's amazing how people have started to kind of come around to it now
2: why do you think people came around to it?
4: It, it it's it 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 really does blur the line like you think you understand what professional wrestling is as a fan. And, you, of course, as a fan, you can only understand so much of what professional wrestling is. I understand that. But, you know, you think you have a grasp on what this is, and then the first time you see deathmatch wrestling, like, anytime I show anyone deathmatch wrestling, they're like, how do they hide the blood packs? I'm like, there's no <laughs> blood packs. <laughs> you know, or, like, how are they... How are they? Is it sugar glass in the light bulb tubes, or do they do they clean out the stuff like the chemicals inside the fluorescent light bulb before they hit each other with them? And it's like, absolutely not. Like a lot of times, this is done on no budget. Like in the deathmatch wrestling episode for Danny Havoc's last match, they actually took apart someone's glass doors to get the panes of glass to what? use. <laughs> yeah, uh, DJ Hyde had. Uh, it depends who you believe story on this one, but the glass that Danny requested was not ordered. So the prop guy for CZW went home to his house and uninstalled his glass sliding doors, brought him back to the show, and then, <clears throat> excuse me, as a team, we worked together to free the glass from the doors and got two panes of glass from it.
2: Oh,
5: like, my, oh my god, that is so dangerous! Like, so dangerous, guys. You don't understand. Like, there's props, right? Especially when you're using glass, and even that glass is dangerous because it can it can cut your flesh.
2: So I, you know, we're educating our audience. So the the match I brought up, which kind of like to me is like the OG matches, Onita and Terry Funk, and the exploding barbar death match from FMW. Is that the match you would most likely recommend to people who are just kind of like introducing themselves to Deathmatch Wrestling?
4: Yeah, I think that movie's like, wa- that match is like watching Die Hard. You know, <laughs> like it just feels like an action movie. And it just, it feels so great. Uh, I think another one for people that are coming from a more strong style fandom and a, and a fandom of more sort of like hard hitting pro wrestling, uh, that Necro Butcher versus Samoa Joe one match like the first one they did is one it's 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 a death match meets a shoot fight like there's just something really incredible about that wrestling match and and there's but there's so many like there's just unbelievable matches that have happened in fmw like there's hayabusa some hayabusa stuff where it's kind of like a, a hybrid of high flyer stuff and death match stuff or as you know anything with onita anything where onita is cuz he is like I don't know he's like Bruce Willis to me like I, I was like I love his movies he's great in, in the movies that he did too
2: Yeah you got to in that documentary uh, the one on the series the wrestlers you got to to go and meet with and speak with Onita and then he actually gave you the gift of the uh, of the bat like what was that interaction like for you
4: Oh no, he didn't give it to. I bought the bat, and then I got, I brought it to him to get it Oh, Okay,
2: oh, shoot. Wha- <laughs> no, I oh, brought, I, I
4: didn't buy it off him. No, I went to the, uh, the there's that uh, Totocon, which is like, uh, it's it's the greatest store on earth. It's like a wrestling museum, but you can buy anything. They had the Great Muda's entrance gear, like the one that looks like the Star Wars red. Wow, like, entrance gear. They had that, it was ten grand, but they had it. Like Where they is had. It? Is
5: this in Tokyo?
4: In Tokyo, yeah. Is that the like, one
5: by Gorgon and Hope?
4: Yeah, exactly. Right around uh, the corner. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. You okay. yeah, know, it's the I've greatest place. I've been there. Uh, I, so I went there and they had the bat. And so I talked to the production crew and uh, they were like, well, you know, you do have a wardrobe budget. And I'm like, yeah. So I went back and we bought the bat and then I brought it to Onita to get him to sign it. But that was the second time I met him. The first time I met him, we brought him to an ice ribbon show. And At Corrigan Hall and I met him downstairs and we're waiting for him to show up And so he shows up and he gets out of the car and he's got the whitest Nikes on I've ever seen in my life tight blue jeans a Supreme hooded sweatshirt the leather jacket and I'm just like this is the coolest dude I've ever seen in my life and then we walked up through Corrigan Hall and he stopped me by a barbed wire board and he's like hey Come here. I invented this and I'm like, yeah, I know, I know, which is debatable. I think, I think Terry Funk senior might, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Dory Funk senior might take some yes. bridge with that as well. But, uh, it was, it was amazing getting to hang out with him, getting to talk to him. and And when he said that to him, FMW was the punk rock of pro wrestling, that just connected all my dots, you know, like seeing that kind of come together as a picture for me, that's, I was like, absolutely. I understand that. And that's how I explain it to, to people I know, especially wrestlers I know that don't like it when they're like, oh, I don't like it. It's, it's not like what I do. And I'm like, yeah, but what you do, you're like Iron Maiden. There's got to be room in this world for the black flags or the infests or, or these other bands that are taking it to a different place. Like there's, it's all amazing.
2: It's a, it's, I, I always say this to my brother when I try to describe it, because he doesn't quite understand wrestling, but he understands music. I always say WWE is Bon Jovi, and, like, yeah. deathmatch wrestling is, like, fear. Like, that's, yes. like... Yeah. <laughs> that's I like say, I,
5: I, you know what? It's, it's so funny, because you guys are, like, being, like, really mild. I kind of, like, related to, like, having regular sex and then having kink, you know? Kinky.
4: Very okay. true.
2: Well, you know. Thunder's mind yep. goes I'm just, that yes, way. Not everybody <laughs> you know <laughs> I
4: think different strokes for different folks is yeah, what it comes exactly. down to. It, some was, matches, some after, matches, Thunder have some
2: matches have foreign objects. Damien, uh <laughs> <laughs> Damien, of course, uh the Turned Out a Punk podcast, and of course, his band fucked up. Damien, thank you so much for the time, brother.
1: If you missed anything this week on Mad Dog Sports Radio, I got you covered. It's Mike Bapchik's Morning After, where we play back the best clips of the week and recap in a way you have never heard before. It's a roast like no other, and no one is safe. Not Mad Dog, not anyone. This is a Morning After walk of shame you actually won't regret. You can find Mike Bapchick's Morning After on SiriusXM, Pandora, Stitcher, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Don't forget to follow the show so you never miss an episode.
2: We're joined by your GCW champion, the king of deathmatch wrestling himself, Mr. Nick Gage. Nick, how are you this morning? Thanks for joining I'm us. I'm doing great, man. First off, I want to say thank you for having
3: me on the show. It's an honor. I want to give a shout out to Thunder Rosa. Oh, you no. Do yes, <laughs> I have to. I'm so proud of you, Thunder. You know me and you, uh, we've we done some shows together and we yes. traveled them roads. And for you to have uh, what you're doing right now, man, I'm so proud of you. And I just wanted to say that to you. Thank you, you, man. It
5: means, you know, every time that I will say that to to you guys, like every time I'm in in the back and Nick gets in the back, he's always showing me so much respect. And um, sometimes when I'm I'm, I'm really low and I remember like people like you, Nick, and like some of the veterans that, that are very respectful to me, it means a lot because I gained your guys' respect. And that is, to me, respect is everything. Thank you.
3: Absolutely, likewise. I think that's why we get along so well. Yes. Well, and
2: and Nick, we've been uh, talking a lot about deathmatch wrestling. It's an honor to morning. be
3: on Busted Open Radio again,
2: dude. Thank you. Second Nick. time
3: being on Busted Open Radio,
2: right? Yep. It's the second time we've had you on, and we're honored to have you on because, you know, we're talking about deathmatch wrestling this morning. And listen. Obviously, this yeah. is XM. It's a mainstream uh, platform. Not a lot of people, you know, know about Deathmatch wrestling or watch Deathmatch ma- death mm-hmm. wrestling. But I thought Thunder and I thought it was important to talk about it this morning because it's one thing not to know about it. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to educate the public. But I think the biggest reason we wanted to talk about it this morning is because I feel like there's a lack of respect for this style of wrestling. It is great yeah. storytelling. It is great athleticism. Um, it, it, it is skilled. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, most of the people that you do see do it are accomplished wrestlers that choose to, to do this style. Nick, do you feel like this yeah. style of wrestling is disrespected?
3: Uh, I feel like it's disrespected by people that don't know what it is or have not been to a show live, like a GCW show that's top-notch deathmatch wrestlers. You know, they see clips online of, um, you know, some shitty-ass deathmatch wrestlers that don't know how to wrestle for real. They just know how to fall on some shit, and it looks like garbage, and that's the perception they get. Me? I've been in this game 23 years. I've seen it all, you know? And GCW... I'm gonna give you a little backline story. Is when I was locked up in prison, my main focus was to bring back deathmatch wrestling to where it belongs. Cause I feel like it's just another style of wrestling, like every other style of wrestling there is. And I wanted to bring it back. And we opened GCW, and you know, slowly but sure, we built that thing up to now that we have the best deathmatch wrestlers on the world that come to GCW so i'm proud of that but i get i get why people think it's it's garbage wrestling and everything because there's guys out there doing garbage wrestling doing garbage shit just like regular wrestling there's garbage yeah. regular wrestlers you know what i'm saying but for the real guys who fucking love deathmatch wrestling and follow it and understand it that they see that these guys can fucking go and wrestle and also, but they choose to like to have weapons in their match. They choose to have paints of glass and light tubes and whatever else they come up with, you know. But they also can go in there and have a regular wrestling match. So, you know, I'm very proud of what I built with GCW. And, and, it, and it, it's, we're just going to keep going, man. You know, we're on fire right now. Um, That night I just had with John Moxley was just incredible. Um, You know, I kind of fell out of love with wrestling for a little bit. So I took some time off for a year. But that year I needed it because I sat and watched them young, talented wrestlers learn how to wrestle and bust their ass each and every night. Because, you know, GCW travels everywhere. We're running shows everywhere weekend mostly and to get to sit back and watch them guys inspired me to get back to fucking doing what i love and that's pro wrestling and get back in the gym and get back to where i need to be and now i love it and i just uh you know i just want to say shout out to all the young talent all the veterans in the gcw locker room that motivated me to get back to the top notch where i you know where i belong
5: Nick, I'm very curious to hear from you now. Like, you know, I want to backtrack a little bit. You have like GCW, like, it, your name has exploded exponentially in the last two, three years, ever since like, you know, COVID when you guys started running a bunch of shows. Mm-hmm. But I want to hear when you were a young Nick Gage and like your first time experiencing a dead match and what got you so into becoming a dead match wrestler. Oh.
3: Well, what got me into deathmatch wrestling was was watching the Cactus Jack and Terry Funk match. And back in the day, we used to, I'm going to sound old, but we used to do tape trading. So guys would trade tapes, and I would pick up tapes and give him a tape. Well, they gave me a tape of uh, Japanese deathmatch wrestling. And I seen the uh, uh, Terry Funk and uh, Cactus Jack because I was familiar with them from the States. And I watched their match, and I loved it. And then I started following deathmatch wrestling. Then I started doing it in the backyard. We had like yeah. a backyard, like we really ran real shows where we had fans that came and stuff like that. And, and, then I was blessed by, um, soon as I got in the game, I, I literally was probably 18, 19 years old and I went to Japan wow. for two years straight. Yeah. And, and learned my craft and, and, Learn how to wrestle deathmatch style over there. So I was blessed. So that's uh, that's how I, that's how I fell in love with it. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm gonna keep it real. I love yeah. deathmatch wrestling, but my favorite wrestling is is like catch catch style wrestling, yeah. hard hitting wrestling, Japanese style wrestling. That's my favorite style of wrestling, you know. But I'm just so good at deathmatch wrestling, so I just stay what I'm fucking good at. That's
2: so, so why you're the king I, of it, man That's
3: pretty much it, Rosa
2: you, you know, we've been explaining on the show this morning, Nick About how Deathmatch mm-hmm. Wrestling the, Not only the wrestlers, but the fans are almost like a community Right, you know, we just had yeah. Damian Abraham Who says hello, by the way And, you know, yes. Damian Abraham respects and loves you We got Kevin Gill, who's going to join us later on the show as well Oh, gee um, Yeah, I mean, like and then you have the fans, the way they talk about it. They don't talk about it like, all right, here's this wrestler I admire that's way up here. It's almost like you're all like one, and it, and it's a community. Do you feel yeah. the same way, Nick? Yeah, yeah. I got the MDK gang. It's yes, everywhere
3: I go. Everywhere I go, it's MDK all yes, fucking day. I wanted to connect with my fans when I got out, so I figured I would call instead of just calling them fans, or or something like that. I called them Mike gang and, and MDK gang. And we're all as one, you know what I mean? Because I couldn't get through these matches without having them chant MDK or Nick fucking Gage. They give me the energy. They give me the inspiration to go out there and bust my ass on what, year 23 now. Wow. And, and I, I still feel great. I still feel like I can go another I don't know how long, man. My body is very good to me. So I'm just blessed. Yeah, it's a community. I want to give a shout-out to my general, Jay Finn. He's always, always got my back since day one. I just want to give him a shout-out.
2: I love it. And you mentioned that match with Moxley. And Moxley is one of the most popular wrestlers in the world right yeah. now. And I think a big reason why he wanted to go to AEW, because then he would have the freedom to do some of the things that he's been doing, especially with yeah. you, Nick. And like, so when you see somebody like a John Moxley, somebody who came from mm-hmm. the world of the WWE, obviously Moxley's comes, you know, before WWE and the stuff that he did with Dragon Gate and Evolve and things like that. But when you see yep. like a mainstream superstar step into your world, how do you feel? Like do you feel like, all right, this this guy, I have the respect for this guy because he wants to try it, or how do you feel about certain people that want to step into the world of deathmatch um, from the outside?
3: All right. So we'll start with we'll start with John. I, I, I just love John because uh he was in person when he left when he came back same guy so like you know we were cool we were friends and and he was just the same guy man and uh he has a beautiful family um you know i text him all the time and we talk and and i give love to his family now there's some guys who want to come into death wrestling and just do one match to try to get over you know what i mean some guys just want to get over because deathmatch could be popular. Oh, I did a death match and get over, you know, and then there's some guys like uh, uh, Cole Radrick who just started stepping in the wrestle, wrestling. Now he loves it and he does it all the time, but also he can also wrestle, you know, it, it, it's a 50, 50, you know what I mean? I do. I do feel disrespected when some guys just come in for one match and like Matt Cardoni comes in for one match and then he's done, you know? Like, that's kind of pussy shit, you know? But I did no. fuck his ass up, man. Yes, I carved you did. him up. <laughs> yeah, I wanted yes, to you make did. him a bloody mess. I wanted him to make sure that he never wants to step in the ring with me again. And I think I did that. And I, uh, the best thing I did, and the most funniest thing I did was crash their fucking wedding. I had the blast. That was one of the favorite moments of my career. I just loved it. I carved him up. I made him a bloody mess. His wife is sitting there looking like she don't know what's going on. I kicked their fucking shit over. Maven ran. I thought Maven was going to go do something. Maven was a pussy and ran to the locker room. I couldn't believe it. But, but Maven's a good guy. That's why.
2: Now, Maven's a good dude. Friends, I love man. Maven.
5: Yeah, yeah but good- if yes. you guys haven't if you guys haven't seen what he's talking about, there is a, there was a lot of gifts after the match when you face him and he won the championship. The audience went absolutely insane. I was watching yeah. that and there was so much trash, any objects yeah. they could find, they threw it at, at the ring. This is the first time yes. in, in, in in a long time where I see the fans furious. They were ready to riot.
3: Yes. And, and, and that was no setup. There was no guy in the crowd throwing one thing to set up so everybody could throw it. That that was true passion from the fans that were pissed off and they threw everything in the ring. And I was in the ring, too, taking it, you know. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it was just, it was crazy. But, uh, you know, I do it for the fans and they know I love them and they know that's why I do this shit. It's because of them.
2: Nick, you've accomplished a lot sure. in your career. I'm oh, sorry. Thank you, man. Please. No, no, you've accomplished I a lot. That. Like what, what? But listen, Nick, you have me. You know, I'm am a 50-year-old 51-year-old man that grew up watching pro wrestling and you've grabbed my attention. You've made me want to watch GCW. You've made me want to watch more deathmatch wrestling. When Thunder and I had the conversation <laughs> about doing this show today, the first person yeah. Thunder said she goes, "We cannot have this show. Unless Nick Gage is a guest on this show. Like, so when you That's think right. about, you know, I'm sure you're called the Godfather, you're called the King, you're called the Deathmatch God at some times. Like I'm what the you god th- of
3: this shit. That's what I am. The God of this shit. That's shit means deathmatch wrestling. <laughs>
2: I but that so, being said, and again, you I'm giving you your flowers. There is a host on this show, Bully Ray. You know, that's, that's yeah. a part of our show. And, and I know he's, you know, the, the things that he's accomplished in ECW, but, you know, he does declare himself the deathmatch god because he beat Onita at the ECW arena. Um, is that somebody you would love to get into the ring with?
3: What, Bully Ray? Yeah. Or Onita? Or oh, uh, boy Ray? Yeah. I don't yes. know, man. Not right now. I got a, I got a couple of people I want to get in the ring with. I want to get in the ring with some of the younger man. Some of the guys that are, are, are going hard right now, like Drew Parker, like Pay, like Miota. I want to get in the ring with them guys, and they're going to make sure that I can still fucking do this. You know what I mean? These are the guys I want to wrestle at GCW. I want to, I'm a fighting champion, and I want to make sure I'm a fighting champion. So I want to put my belt up there on the line. No disrespect to Bully Ray because you guys know that I love Bully Ray. I can't even call him Bully Ray. He's Bubba Ray to me. And I have so much respect for that guy because he did so much for this business. Um, Him and Devon are my favorite tag team of all time. Um, If it wasn't for them and the whole ECW group, I would probably be in a warehouse doing some bullshit work. But because of them and ECW, I found a wrestling school and I trained to be a wrestler and I've been wrestling my whole entire life. So I've been doing my passion my whole life. And and I owe it to ECW and I owe it to Bubba Ray. I know he called me a pussy and all that shit, but uh, uh, you know, words don't bother me, man. You know, you know if words bother me and then I will care about all them scumbag fans who write all that crappy me- messages on the message boards. But when they see me, they don't do shit. You know what I mean? I, you know what I mean, Thunder. Keep it real yeah. right here, baby. All, all them, all, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I, I, all them guys writing that shit. And then they don't say shit. They're like, oh, Gage, you're the man. I haven't found one guy come up to me and say some bullshit. Not one person since I've been doing this. And I offer them on. Hey, you can see me anytime and say that shit to my face. Then we're going to have a conversation and it's going to lead somewhere, you know. But as far as Bubba Ray, um, I don't know. Time will tell, man. Maybe we will set up a match. You know, I'm not a promoter. I'm a wrestler. You know, that's that's the promoter's job. I'm a wrestler. i love to be a wrestler. I don't want to be a promoter. I don't want to do any of that. I like commentating. I like doing that. And I like to fucking wrestle.
1: That's my two favorite. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
4: Thanks. This is Adam Shine, host of the Adam Shine Podcast. Here to tell you, you can listen to my podcast all year round. I'll give you my NFL picks against the spread, give you fantasy advice all season long while being joined by the best guests in all of sports. He's Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers. This is what I expect. You know, I expect to play well every year. We release episodes of the Adam Shine Podcast every week. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast or listen on the SXM app, including with most subscriptions. The Adam Shine Podcast.
2: Ultra-talented Kevin Gill joins us here on Busted
0: Open. Kevin, what's up, brother? What up, though, and what is truly good, though, to the entire Busted Out nation? Uh, Special shout-out to super producer Gavity as well as uh, our good friend Thunder Rosa and, of course, the iconic Dave LaGreca.
2: Well, thank you, Kevin. I appreciate that, brother. And, man, I had to get you on because you've become, you know, quite the voice of, like, I think a new era, new age of pro wrestling, the work that you do with GCW. And, and I love your style because it's like, and I don't give a fuck style, which yeah. I really, I, I, I really appreciate. Like that's like what you bring. And it, and it's an,
0: it's more than just what you say. It's an attitude that you bring. Do you feel the same way, Kevin? I, I couldn't agree more, Dave. And you know, I've been, I've been tuned in all morning. I got up extra hella early here on the West coast to enjoy the whole show. And I loved what both uh, my friend Damien Abraham and my brother Nick Gage were talking about in that there is this sense of community. There is this sense of almost like underground music. I come from the same music scene that Damien does, just the New York City version of it. And uh, it's just amazing to me to see that uh, convergence, if you will. And uh, I give a fuck about everything that matters but I don't give a fuck about preconceived notions and ignorance and prejudgment, if that makes sense.
5: <laughs> I mean, you, you still live in the Bay Area, right?
0: At this moment I do, but thunder later this month, I will become once again, a resident of Queens, New York. Shout it from oh, the rooftops wow. for so, booking inquiries.
5: <laughs> so, well, let's, let's be honest. When you move to a place as progressive as it is in the Bay Area or living in New York, that makes your mindset a little bit more open to things that are, you know, against the grain or like that challenge this, the status quo. Tell us more about uh, your upbringing and how that made you or influenced you in the way that you see professional wrestling and now what you're doing, you know, commentating that, that
0: matches. 100% Thunder and that's why you're such a great broadcaster as well as a uh, in-ring talent. But yeah, I'm, I'm so proud to be from Queens, New York. Uh, still to this day, the most culturally diverse uh, city area concentration in on, on this continent it's all people from all nations together uh, living and learning and all that stuff in a very diverse place so I love that but within that diversity comes creativity and arts that's where hip hop comes from that's where hardcore music comes from and for me growing up in the Mecca of wrestling at that time like Dave Lagreca did Madison Square Garden the wrestling magazines all these things were larger than life you know wrestling will get covered on the local news. So you would always get exposed to it, uh, see it and and be enamored by it. So for me, I, I came up in the hardcore music and punk rock scene, which taught you about, you know, doing it yourself and, uh, you know, building things with your friends and kind of doing it your way and not necessarily going the corporate route and whatever. So to me, all that stuff kind of flowed perfectly into wrestling because it's so many of the same ideals. It's so many of the same people, not that some people are lost, but some people are just seeking more. Some people want to belong. They want to be a part of something and and wrestling just like underground music uh, are something that people can step up and be a part of, be a part of a scene and feel that camaraderie and community.
2: You you know um, you mentioned preconceived notions and I always thought that preconceived notions is, the enemy of creativity and progress. What's the preconceived notions about like deathmatch wrestling that maybe fans who have never experienced or ever watched need to understand?
0: Sure. Well, I mean, the number one preconceived notion about deathmatch wrestling is that the wrestlers don't know how to wrestle and that anyone can do what they do. And I mean, those two things couldn't be further from the truth. Um, I think to really understand deathmatch wrestling, it's important to look at the history of deathmatch wrestling. Like, where does this come from? And obviously different scholars or historians will say different things. To me, I go back to the 60s, to uh, Dory Funk Jr. and Terry Funk's father, Dory Funk, uh, doing, uh, you know, multiple hour Texas deathmatches. You could fast forward to the 80s, to when you saw uh, Abdul the Butcher and Bruiser Brody and all these people doing blood and super violence in, in Puerto Rico. Uh, 30 years after his father was doing it, Terry Funk and Mick Foley uh, captured the world's attention with their King of the Deathmatch performance in, in Japan. Uh, that was in 95. Uh, but even before that, then you had Onita in 89 with FMW in Japan, yeah. which I, I think really uh, kind of put... That's where everyone who talks about tape trading, everyone who talks about all these the stuff, this is what they were watching. They were watching FMW. They were watching... Uh, the king of the death matches, and it's just all an evolution. And then today you have Nick Gage, the king of the death match. The lineage of death match wrestling goes from Dory Funk to uh, Ke- Te- uh, Cactus Jack to Mick Gage, Nick Gage. You know what I mean? It's an amazing, diverse portfolio. And now you have these incredible women uh, performers uh, like Sawyer Rec, for example. Uh, it, it It knows no gender. It knows no boundary. And I think the misconceptions, like you said, are just misunderstandings this is this isn't lesser than wrestling in a sense the ta- the performers are not less talented they're more dedicated they're more committed and they're more in touch directly with their art and they'll bleed for their art and they'll do it on a nightly basis
5: so for you what is the moment that define you and say okay i'm, I'm into this like big time i just asked nick gage what what was his moment for him and in, in wrestling, it's all about moments. Uh, what was the moment for you?
0: Uh, I think for me, it was the same as as Nick Gage. Uh, it was 1995-ish, getting to see on tape uh, the King of the Deathmatch tournament from uh, from Japan. And like Nick said, I, I already knew about Terry Funk. I already knew about Cactus Jack. And I had heard in the wrestling magazines about explosions and barbed wire and all this stuff. But uh, oh my god, Alexa, shut up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How many it's like it's one I thing do to do that say good morning. But don't read me a book. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to wait her out there, but sorry, I lost my train of thought. No, you're uh, talking you about that Dick, Terry Funk. Yeah, the mm. King of Death tournament. And, yeah. and Cactus Jack and Terry Funk. And and to be honest, it was a double whammy because not just uh, when I saw that King of the Death match uh, tournament on tape, at first I didn't see the original version without commentary, I saw the Insane Clown Posse version called Stranglemania Mania with uh, ICP doing commentary on it. And in a way, they were they're trailblazers of the quote-unquote do-not-give-a-fuck commentary style, especially on Strangle Mania. So both the commentary stylings and the violence completely captured my attention. And I was so into hardcore music at the time, but conventional wrestling wasn't as appealing to me. It was too cartoony. So that those that wrestling, that was 95, that then easily ushered me into 1996. I heard about ECW and I started going to every ECW uh, arena show. So it, it was that stuff that brought me back to wrestling and connected me further with uh, the visceral performances and the groundbreaking performers that deliver them.
2: You know, Kevin, we, we talked a little bit earlier on in the show about that GCW card in New York you know, at the Hammerstein, your great work. And it was so great seeing you with like a Lenny Leonard because Lenny Leonard's the most, you know, tightened up professional broadcaster (laughs) that there is in wrestling. And then there's you dropping F-bombs and mother F-bombs. Like, what was that experience for for you? Here you are in a legendary building, huge crowd,
0: pay-per-view, GCW. This is such a great opportunity. What was that night like for you? Uh, it was a dream come true. First of all, shout out to Lenny Leonard and Dave Prazak, two of the best commentators I've ever worked with, uh, stellar human beings, stellar talents. And the fact that neither of them is making a lucrative uh, seven figure income from wrestling is a travesty, but I digress. Uh, the night at Hammerstein Ballroom was incredible to me. the the build. it's it's the rise of the underdog. You know, it's the little engine that could. It's this little independent wrestling company called Game Changer Wrestling that built their brand and built, put their foot down, drew a line and said, you know, we're gonna do it our way. And to rise from very humble beginnings to uh, setting an attendance record at Hammerstein. Uh, Hammerstein's a a venue I got to see many ECW events at in the glory days. I got to see the ECW uh, reunion there. So yeah, just that feeling, that energy, that vibe. And, And to touch on something you said, and this is a true story. So I run the Game Changer Wrestling Patreon, and I had to go, uh, we let the pat- the supporters in first. They get early entrance to the shows. So I went outside to make sure the patrons would get in first at Hammerstein. And one of the fans pulled me aside and they're like, KG, I-, I hate to put you on the spot, but I have to ask you about a rumor. And I'm like, what's up? And he's like, I heard that because this is on pay-per-view, you aren't able to do commentary the way you normally do in GCW. I don't want to put you on the spot, but I am going to watch this when I get home. Please, brother please are you gonna say it like you always say it? And he starts you know rattling off all these uh, expletives and I'm like, yeah bro I'm like Wh- whatever rumors you've heard, no one said shit to me like I have no intention of altering. of course I can alter my style, you know what I mean Whatever's needed. Yeah. it's it's to- made to order but it just felt like honor just a honor, a thrill, a privilege and uh, just to be a part of that, you know what I mean I- I've been a part of GCW since uh, the first spring break. so it's been a, a hell of a run. Busted Open is part of the
2: SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream the podcast. Catch the full three hours of Busted Open Monday through Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation, channel 156. Go to SiriusXM.com backslash Busted Open Trial to start your free trial today.